everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast, another installment in the frigid weather here in Washington. Mm -hmm. Uh, David and Nikki Nellis here. We've got a great show today. I want to let you know about the lineup because uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, First, uh, of course, Central Farm Markets is going to be on. Deb Moser will be here. They've opened a butcher shop. You're going to want to hear about that. Uh, Our drink segment today is great. Uh, Lena's Wood-Fired Pizza does an activation uh, called The Loft at Lena's. And uh, Donna Shore, who's their VP of Operations, and Colleen Sisk, who's the managing director there, are going to tell us all about the the experience called Velvet and Rye. And they are going to be shaking up some cocktails. Velvet and Rye. I had some velvet on last night, and I was drinking some rye. Okay. Uh, Brian Ayapica is director of operations at Puro Gusto here in uh, Washington. It's an authentic all-day Italian cafe that looks to present dining, really, all'italiano, the way the Italians do from breakfast till right before dinner, Uh, and we're going to hear all about that. McKenna Held is is going to make everybody jealous. She's Super the jealous. Owner, she's the owner of the Courageous Cooking School, which is housed in what was Julia Child's uh, home in France, La Pichune. And we're going to chat about the culinary approach uh, for the cooking school. And um, it's very interesting. It's a recipe-free way to learn how to cook French and farm-to-table uh, cuisine. Pretty it's also a way to go to France. But and, anyway. <laughs> and our last segment is going to scare the hell out of some people. Get ready for the Matrix uh, Katarina Axelson is a 30-year-old who founded uh, 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 a company called Tastry. It's a California sensory sciences company, and essentially it's it's based on artificial intelligence. They taught a computer, Katarina taught a computer, how to, how to taste. Mm-hmm. And we're going to hear about how she did that and also what that means in terms of the company's ability to help uh, design programs that are consumer-friendly. So let's start with uh, Deb Moser. Deb? Hi, Deb. Good morning. Are you Good freezing morning. your tushy off out yeah. there at the markets? You know, it's 40 degrees. It's not too bad. Of course, not first thing in the morning. Not 40 but, degrees uh, where we just were. <laughs> yeah. It will be. It will be. Just wait. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I wanted to tell you about an exciting new thing we have at our Nova market, which, mm-hmm. uh, as you know, Nova is at the George C. Marshall High School. Mm-hmm. We have a... A vendor now that is essentially a butcher shop. And so we have taken four of our greatest meat companies, put them together under one tent. So we have Hog Haven with their delicious old spotted pig mm. uh, pork. We have Springfield Farm with their delicious chickens, all their cuts of chickens, whole chickens, part chickens, uh, eggs. We have Chapel Hill Farm with their Randall Lineback line of beef, which is just exquisite. It's really one and of the best farms have, in the area. It's uh, their it their meats are. We um, have some defrosting right now. Yeah, we do. Awesome. They're far- good, It's one of the best good. farms in the area. Yeah, it's it's one of our favorites, mm-hmm. and we have meat crafters with their charcuterie products. So you don't have to go to several tents. You just come to one, and there they are, and we have it all there for you. And it's kind of cool because it's truly farm to market right and so now let me ask you a question because you know sort of silver lining for the pandemic is that you can order all of your needs at the market online can you do the same thing with this new uh butcher shop as well 
Yes, all of the vendors have an ability to take an order and then deliver it to the market. Great. So uh, you won't go to one. You won't go to one particular one. Order separately, and then it will be delivered to to the Hog Haven tent, and you will get everything you need. Excellent. I love that. Okay, great. All right, yeah. Deb, tell everybody where they can find the markets right now because it is winter and these markets are open. Yes, they are. Uh, Virginia and Bethesda are open all winter long, all year round. Mm-hmm. And you can find all information, times, and all the locations on centralfarmmarkets.com. Excellent. Thanks so much, Deb. Look at that radio all voice. Right. All right. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So uh, let's get into cocktails. Yeah, so Donna Shore and Colleen Sisk are with Lena's Wood Fired Pizza. And they do this really cool activation, uh, the loft at Lena's. Uh, guys, first of all, welcome to the show. Hi. Who wants to volunteer to tell us about Lena's? You got to get in front of the mic okay. or else nobody's going to be able to hear you. Okay. You can pull it down, too. So, um, yeah, you can touch it. Right. It moves. Okay. So, here's the deal. Let's talk about when we say an activation, you guys came up with this concept during the pandemic. So, what was it? What is it? And how are you activating it? Yeah, so Lena's Wood Fire Pizza and Tap is a very small 1,200-square-foot restaurant. So when mm-hmm. the pandemic shut us down, we had a very small footprint to be able to open up in. There was a space above us that was old office space that was not being used. So mm-hmm. we basically took that over, and the owners of Lena's Wood Fire Pizza and Tap went ahead and leased it, um, built it out, hired a designer, um, Katie Kirby, and we basically decided that we needed an oasis for people to come in and truly – experience it, a full immersion, like you could go on vacation, but still be at home is kind of the idea around it. So we created Winter Lodge was our first installment, then we flowed into Full Bloom. um, And then we kept going into what we have right now, which is our Velvet and Rye. So what is Velvet and Rye? Velvet and Rye is kind of a throwback to the opulence and golden age of the 1920s. Okay. Um, lots About of, the time I was born. That's <laughs> Lots of velvet, art deco, um, chandeliers everywhere. We actually went all out with this. We go down. When we say it's a full immersion, we change the glass we're out. We change the plate we're out. We come up with an experience menu with seasonal items. We pair it with different wines for the for the wine list. We do it all. And that includes all of our new cocktails. So every experience has new cocktails. That's so... um, Brave. Well, it's fun. I mean, but I mean, it sort of takes a page out of like 2019 when, you know, like there were like the holiday pop-ups and stuff like that. And people were investing all that money because this sounds like a tremendous investment. It is. It's a huge investment. But a lot of creativity, right? It's fun. It's it's exhausting. We do it very fast, too. It takes five days. It's amazing to turn it around from one activation to the other. It takes five days for the actual activation. It takes us six months, sometimes faster. It matters on how fast we we do this, Mm -hmm. to design everything to match it. Wow. So tell us what cocktail we're having first. We are going to do the French 75, which is a classic Prohibition-style cocktail. Um, Basically, it's a champagne cocktail Mm -hmm. um, made with gin, um, honey, and fresh lemon juice. That's important. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, All great. Right. We'll come back to you. McKenna's having one right now. I yes. can see. Yeah. French <laughs> right. Cocktail. right. All right. So, Bryce Ayapika, you've got a big job. You're director of operations at Puro Gusto, and you're bringing how the Italians uh, get through their day to Washington. You brought it. Exactly. Itali- well, Italian way. Okay, but so it's not like there's no Italian restaurants in the D.C. market or there's no Italians in the D.C. market. So what is Puro Gusto? Like, what is it? So there's definitely a lot of Italian restaurants in the D.C. area, but what differentiates Puro Gusto is first and foremost 
the fact that we're serving all three day parts. We're truly an all day Italian cafe. Mm-hmm. So whether you want to come in at seven in the morning to get a coffee, we have you covered there. Or if you want to come in on your lunch break and get a nice panini or a pangusto pizza, we have you covered there. Mm-hmm. And then in the evening time as well, we have a full bar liquor program, a partnership with Campari, and great alcoholic cocktails on tap, um, as well as a great assortment of wines and beers that you can enjoy. So we're really doing that all-day concept. Can I come in in the morning and get a bomboloni that's fresh and hot and ready to go? Absolutely. Oh, All right. David was like, if you don't have a bomboloni, you're, you're not legit. don't have a bomboloni, I'm going to mess with you, but you do. Awesome. Yeah. So tell us how the concept came to be and uh, why this region. Yeah. So great question there. So Por Gusto actually has 30 stores across the globe, predominantly in Europe and Asia right now. Mm-hmm. And we were looking to bring this type of Are they in Italy? They, they are. So the first Por Gusto actually originated in Milan okay. back in 2006. And since then, they've grown to over 30 stores. Mm-hmm. And now we're here in the U.S. and we want to do the same thing here. So is the Por Gusto in Italy sort of a fast casual? Is it a snack bar kind of spot? You know, because like in Italy, all over the place, there's little snack bars. You go in, you get your well, espresso and your bomboloni, and then you jet out. So is it... That concept expanded? Yeah, so we definitely have changed Por Gusto when we brought it to the U.S. in order to accommodate for the American consumer. And But the idea of Por Gusto being a place where people can come in, sit down, relax, and, and be comfortable has not changed. So Por Gusto's in Italy do have the nice cafes, adjusted the color scheme a little bit, make it a little bit more warm and inviting, mm-hmm. and a little bit on the menu as well. But uh, here's the thing, do they, the question, do they own um, uh, on the Autostrada any of those restaurants at the, at the No, South? I looked it up. They don't. We were sure we'd eaten at one. Yeah, but, but we were not. thinking of like you know the the travel uh, like the travel you, stations. Yeah, so so actually our um, our parent company is Auto Grill. Oh. based in Italy, so See? that's where we get our Italian roots. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Linda, they were because serving I have to be honest, Braccioli when, the size of a horse. I know. It so we good. when I first heard about you guys, I thought I saw in my head Auto Grill. I don't know why, and then I just thought. You were all the same, but maybe I read it. I don't know. Anyway. So we are we are technically part of the Auto Grill family there. Okay. Uh, so we get a lot of our ideas and design concepts and uh, from, from the team over there in Italy. They work well, very closely with I us. I think we should let people know if you haven't had uh, the luxury of going to Italy or being on the highways and stopping at their rest stops. Their rest stops are really different than the American rest stops. And the food, it isn't Burger King. No. And the food served is amazing. Like, amazing. It's unbelievable. Like, the sandwiches are beautiful, and the pizzas are fabulous. And, like, as David was saying, like, we saw somebody eating, like, a big steak. I mean, it was was the side of a house. It was amazing. It was beautiful. It was really amazing. So now now that you guys are here, um, D.C. is the first market? D.C. is the first market. And Mm -hmm. we really chose D.C. because it has such a vibrant international community and and Mm -hmm. a great, you know, it's very multicultural. And we felt like Por Gusto would really excel in this type of marketplace. So that's why we brought our first store to the D.C. area, and hopefully we'll have more stores popping up around D.C. in the near future. And where mm-hmm. where is this one? Sorry. So we're actually located two blocks from the White House on 1345 F Street, mm-hmm. um, so right in the heart of downtown D.C. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's a good spot. Yeah, it is a good visit. spot. Well, it will be a good spot. Right now it's probably a little bit tough. So let's spot. talk <laughs> about Aperitivo. Mm-hmm. Why don't you explain what your concept is, and then we have some questions. Sounds like a plan. So the best way I can describe Aperitivo is – it's very similar to an American happy hour, but different. So just a little background. In Italy, typically aperitivo is a time where after the Italians get off of work, which is usually later in the day, around 7 o'clock at night, they'll then go out and have an aperitivo before going home and having dinner very late at night, usually like 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So aperitivo in Italy typically consists of some small bites, light snacks, and then a couple of uh, alcoholic drinks. 
similar to the Aperol Spritz that we have. It's like a lighter drink, nothing too heavy. And we really brought that to the U.S. So if you're in, well, no, you didn't. I mean, there <laughs> not are the happy hour, but, right? Nor aperitivo. I mean, there correct. are spritzes. I mean, come summertime in D.C., there are spritzes all over the market. Now, it, I'll say this: though. so our Aperol Spritz, with our partnership with Campari, we actually have it on tap, and we're uh-huh. one of only a few places along That's the entire cool. East Coast. Yeah. So our like drinks that. are right on tap there. We have the Aperol Spritz, the seasonal spritz, and then the classic Negroni, cool. all on tap that the customers can enjoy. That's great. I mean. I just want to say that's very cool, but you're not the only ones doing it in the D.C. market. Like we know what Apertivo is and lots of people. We've had plenty of people come in and make, don't you worry, know, Grace. she's just mean that way. No, I'm not mean. <laughs> I just don't want you to say something and then get really called out. Do you know what I mean? No, I like appreciate it. you're not the first Italians to come to D.C., um, but it is great that you're doing something breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, there are very few places that do breakfast lunch and dinner here in the market that are in hotels. Can we talk about the pastries in the morning? Both Andy and I lived in Italy, so we're ready to move down to F Street, take an <laughs> apartment. Um, who's making, you know, where's the food made? Is it made right there on site? Is it brought in? Is it, How's that working? Yeah, all of our food is made fresh on site each day. So mm-hmm. our, in terms of specifically our breakfast assortment, uh, they are all Cornetti's, and Cornetti is just the Italian croissant. Um, our two most popular right now are the Nutella Cornetti and then the ham and cheese Cornetti. Yum. So everything's made fresh daily, though, and we serve it right there in, mm-hmm. just like the typical European way. You know, you see it in the pastry case, we cook it off for you, and we serve it to you. I'm sorry. If I All right, we're going to take a quick break. Espresso, Shush. I'm ready, baby. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, though, you have an incredible uh, sustainability program, and you also uh, have an amazing coffee program. I want to talk about that, too. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. A little Italy. Still in D.C.? We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Fooding the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, and we're talking to Bryce Ayapica about Puro Gusto. You brought in some stuff. Tell us what you've got here. That's Okay, wait, no. That's no? not where we're going. Where Did are we you not going? hear my question before we nah, went for the break? I, it, you so want to talk coffee, right? I want to talk about your coffee program because, I mean, you're an Italian concept. Coffee is important. And part so of t- what he brought is coffee. Okay, so tell us about the coffee program. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a great partnership with Lavazza Premium Coffee, for all of our coffees that we have in store. And mm-hmm. with Lavazza, we're using their Tierra Alteco as our drip coffee and then espresso bean uh, that we're utilizing for all of our espresso-based based beverages. Okay. In addition, we utilize Lavazza for their cold brew assortment as well. So all of our coffee is from Lavazza, and it's mm-hmm. a great partnership that really allows us to bring authentic Italian coffee to the market. Totally agree. Lavazza coffee is delicious. Um, and let's talk about your commitment to sustainability because – I don't think we hear enough of that coming from European uh, concepts that come to the States. So what is your sustainability uh, sort of background and why are you guys launching that? A great question. So anything that we're doing at Por Gusto is through the lens of sustainability and how can we make sure mm-hmm. that we're taking care, of the, taking care of the planet and reusing where possible. So just give you a couple of examples. We actually have a partnership with a company in Italy ca- called Was Bottle and Was Coffee. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is we're taking recycled coffee grounds and recycled plastic bottles and turning them into tables that we actually utilize in our store. Cool. Yeah. Oh, my, you made a coffee table. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's the whole reason I'm here. Yes, Thank you. exactly. I'll tell you, the tables are absolutely beautiful. The Was Bottle tables are bright, bright and colored, vibrant. Um, absolutely amazing and totally comfortable to sit at. And then the Was Coffee tables, likewise, same thing, very elegant. But nice. you use leftover orange peels. Yes. So that's our other partnership we have that's with a company called Was Orange. Cool. And more or less, we're taking recycled orange peels, running them through a 3D printer, and then turning them into baskets and fixtures that we have in our store. So like our coffee holders in our store and our retail holders are all made from these recycled orange peels. 
That's really, really cool. I mean, at some point, is it too much or like do you at some point, is it like, OK, we we have all the orange fills we can't do anymore with them or is there always something you can make with them? Um, so th- this process is actually done back in Italy. OK, so all those products that we have are imported over here. But uh, as are far they, as are they know, also commercially sold or you just use them in your place? Uh, in the U.S., I believe they're just used in our place. In Italy, I'm not sure what other stores they utilize them in. Okay. But I believe Autogrill is trying Amazing. to take on more sustainability and, and use them. Maybe the well. earth won't sense. go up in smoke yet. Um, and let's just talk quickly. So you guys do do pizzas and paninis. Do you have a special oven or how do you guys Yeah, so we're predominantly using the turbo fire oven, which mm-hmm. is, you know, that quick pizza uh, fire for our Pangusto pizzas. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that can be made at Gusto can be cooked in less than two minutes um, for the guests. So quick and easy. You know, if you're on a on a timed lunch to come in, we'll have your food out as quickly as possible. Okay. And then the aperitivo, you guys don't serve dinner or you do serve dinner? Are you there for like till 9, 10 o'clock? So right now we're on limited hours, only open till about 4.30. But once we uh, get out of this COVID trend, we'll be open till around 8, 9 o'clock at night, maybe even 10, depending upon what the business looks like. Mm-hmm. So anything that's on our menu, you can order at any time of day. If you want well, to come- very quickly, because yeah. unfortunately people can't see this. Right. Is this a calzone or a, a No, a it's panino? a panini. This is, our chicken parmesan. this is our chicken parmesan panini. This is our best-selling panini. It's extremely good. I have it for lunch at least three times a week. Oh, my God. Seriously, you're so skinny. Right. And what's okay. that bad boy? And that's our Nutella croissant. Um, it's beautiful. Very cool. That's if you need a sugar high. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which Excellent. I usually Andy's don't. Andy's like, but... wait, I can't see the croissant. All right, this place, okay. We got to right. go there. Okay. So tell everybody again where we can find you online, on Instagram, and on the street. Yeah, absolutely. So online, poragustocafe.com. And then on the street, we're located at 1345 F Street. Please come by and visit us. We'd love to have you in. You open Excellent. at 7? We're currently open at 9 a.m. till oh, 4.30. Okay. Yeah, don't, make a, don't make we're, people no, line Andy up. No, Andy and I are going down for bomboloni. So. Okay, great. All right. Okay, great. Okay, Velvet and Rye, come back, back to the back table. Let's go back to Colleen and uh, Donna. What, what's it? We're going to talk prohibition now, right? We are. Do you want to bring that cocktail over? Great, thank <laughs> you. Okay, great. <laughs> I remember. And now, Bryce, you can stay there. You're I fine. remember prohibition, too. Great, thank you. So. Okay, no, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. tell us. So, why, why, why are we saluting Prohibition? Um, we're saluting Prohibition because Prohibition started, was passed in January 16th, um, 1919. So last week was a celebration of Prohibition. Um, it went into effect January 17th, 1920. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it's all about Prohibition. And so what did you guys do? What kind of research did you do as you were deciding on the cocktails uh, and how you wanted to serve them in the glassware, because it sounds like you do a lot of that before you do each concept. So how did you do your research on that? Oh, so it's actually funny. We did the opposite. We designed the space. Designer comes to us. Mr. and Mrs. Yates say, Donna, this is what we got. And we say, okay, we're going to roll. So we do research on what the design was based out of. So there's always some route to the design. And this was speakeasy. Um, prohibition. So we basically just did all the research on what was popular during the prohibition time, what drinks were created at that time, and all of that fun stuff. So the first cocktail was French 75. Obviously, mm-hmm. that came out about 1920s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next one we're giving you is actually Bee's Knees. We make ours a little bit different. Um, That's what that's saying. <laughs> we call it absolutely Bee's Knees because we actually switched it, switched it up and did vodka. And the reason for that is mostly during the prohibition. Gin was the easiest liquor to make. Okay. So gin was prominent everywhere. But in today's day and age, we had to kind of, you know, the demographic we're working towards, we needed a vodka. So we were thought that this would be the perfect cocktail well, to change Well, you quoted out. an interesting uh, statistic, which I, I happened to, 
I, I just knew it, that during Prohibition, in the city that passed Prohibition, there were 3,000 speakeasies. Yes. 3,000. 3,000. Did I say 3,000? Do, with a population, do as I say, not, not as, as I do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right? With, with a population probably of about 150,000 people. Yep, yep. 3,000 A bunch of hypocrites, and they're still hypocrites. Okay, okay. on that note, we're going to come back to you guys. This is beautiful. And now we're going to go to France. We went yeah, to Italy, we've got, and now we're going to France. On, I, God knows what time it is in France. It's probably 4 in the afternoon there. Um, th- this is a great story. McKenna Held uh, is the owner of the Courageous Cooking School, but it's housed in what was uh, Julia Child's home in France, La Pichune, uh, and th- I, I'm going to turn it over to you, McKenna. Mm. I mean, we need the 411 on this. How did this all happen? Yeah, how'd you wind up at Julia's house? Hi. Hi. Absolutely. I, you know, I always joke that it was a lot of luck and uh, a lot of doggedness. <laughs> so I saw an article in the New York Times called The House That Julia Built, and I fell madly in love with this window in the article and mm-hmm. i was like sure julia child's house it's really cool that's really neat but there was just this window that like pulled me and it was this ivy covered window with ivy that was turning red because that article was in the fall and the photos had been taken in the fall with these shutters with tiny little hearts cut into them and mm-hmm. i was like oh i want i want to be there i want to be there right now and so i got lucky and uh not as many people tried to get the house as you might think because people are into talking and people don't do their research and don't follow it all the way to the end they just kind of you know haphazardly go well maybe i'll try this but don't actually take all the steps required and i was able to take all the steps required and lo we were able to nab it wait i feel like we have to back up a little bit i mean was there were you looking to buy a house in europe were you like and this just happened or you saw that window. Yeah, what were you doing and who's the we? Give yes. us a little background. Yeah, we need a little bit more. Yeah, so I was, at that point in time, I had been a business consultant and coach for a number of years. Mm-hmm. I was doing really well, but I was really sick of being in front of a computer. And so I let go of all my clients and was becoming a ski instructor for the season. And I went to Smith College, which is the same uh-huh. uh, college that Julia went to. Yeah. And so I had seen it in the alumni forum, the article. It was being shared on Facebook in the alum forum. And so I just read the article and fell madly in love and called the real estate agent and got started. All right. I just want to, I'm digressing for a minute. I went to UMass and Smith College girls would not date guys from UMass. I'm just going to point that out to you. I, you know, but I went to Simmons and clearly Simmons girls did. Well, clearly so you'll marry anybody. You married me. So it well, doesn't, doesn't say much for you. No, it really doesn't. All right. Uh, okay. So when you decided to buy the house, you're in process, you buy this house. Where did the cooking school come from? Were you like, I have to do something with this? You couldn't just be like, hey, I own Julia's house. Like you couldn't just go with it that way. Well, I couldn't just afford Julia's house. Okay, it was not in the it was not in the possibilities for me to just drop a cool close to a million on a house in the south of France. So mm-hmm. I found investors. I sent out an email when I read the article. I wrote to every single food and wine investor that I had in my dossier. Uh, it was about twelve people that I thought might be interested. And sent them an email that just said, wouldn't it be cool to own Julia Child's house with a link to the article. And about three hours later, I had had a number of haha, very funny responses and a number of, okay, tell me what you're thinking. And so I had about 
two hours to pull together a cursory business plan to get some people to actually say yes. Wow, that's amazing. So how many investors did you get? I ended up getting two. Okay. Uh, and, that's, and I was able to put my, I basically said, I will cover the mortgage. I will do this cooking school. I oh, so you already decided. College. You're like, I am going to do a cooking school. You already were like, I'm going to do that. Yeah, so there was already a cooking school there. So it okay. had been previously a cooking school. And we knew the business model worked. And so I figured it would be a really easy business model. Airbnb was kind of coming to its peak, I mean, mm-hmm. to say Start, in like 2015. But it was just getting its legs. And I had been a host for a long time. Mm. And already I was an early adopter of being a host on Airbnb. And so I just kind of took those two things and put them together and... I got a bunch of people to say yes, and I picked two, and that's all right. I said that I would sell my house, and that was that. Well, here's the other part of the the, the puzzle you have to fill in. So you're going to take over Julia Child's house, and you're going to open a cooking school, but you're going to open a cooking school that is anti recipes. Um, where did that come from? Was that wait? Was that always part of the plan? Let's not say we're anti recipes. What I will tell you a recipe ish. No. Like when you're in person, that learning from a recipe is kind of silly in modern times, thanks mm-hmm. to YouTube. So now that we can pause television, and if you Google how to make Coco Vin, you're going to find literally a hundred videos, if not more. Right, of course. And so doing recipes and teaching from a recipe in person is kind of lazy these days. So I didn't know what I was going to do. Originally, we just thought we'd be a cooking school that was kind of traditional. And I realized after looking at what was happening and talking to a bunch of people about what they were struggling with in cooking, it was that recipes for them were hard to follow. They didn't feel like they had any instincts. And so I started figuring out how to teach instincts and intuition in cooking. Well, what it sounds like is, is for people who don't have confidence when they cook, right? So I look at a recipe and I can play with it because I know how to cook, right? So if, if I don't have something, I can figure out what goes in play. Like I can play with it. I'm, I'm also not worried about a dish coming out bad. Like worst comes to worst, a dish comes out bad. But a lot right. of people really stress about cooking and not doing it right and it turning out poorly. Yeah, they've got a perfect thing going. Well, not they? just that. I think people are, people are afraid the food will come out bad. And, and my response always is, so what? It's one bad dish. In a lifetime Absolutely. of good dishes, what's the big deal if you make one bad dish? Right, yeah, totally. That's... And so uh, the kind of ideal people who come there are people who do have that nervousness around cooking or people mm-hmm. who just want to break free from recipes mm-hmm. and actually learn a method where you never need a recipe again and that recipes become more like encyclopedias that you look at to get information rather than the whole picture. Right. So Okay, yeah. McKenna, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk about how we get to you and and what the experience is and how it works. This is David and Nikki Nellis. We've gone to Italy. Now we're in France. We'll be back in just a sec. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And we are talking to McKenna Held, who held her breath, bought Julia Child's home in France and started her own cooking school. Um, uh, you know, we're going to get into a lot of things still with the rest of this interview. But uh, you say here, I just got to say, you say you can teach anyone and yes, we mean anyone to cook. And um, you probably couldn't teach me. I, there, I never make a, a universal statement like that. Okay, <laughs> I disagree with there's you. There's always somebody out there. But I mean, I, I love the approach because 
I feel Plus, like we just did this. Did no, no, no. But I'm this? just saying, I never get a chance to to talk. I'm going to okay. talk to McKenna. Okay. Hi, McKenna. So, but I mean, the fact that I mean, cooking from a recipe can also be boring too. And so, for people who are not expert cooks or experienced cooks like Nikki to come in there and be able to 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 learn, you know, on the fly, it's not on the fly, but to learn in a, in a more casual and use your own instinct way is brilliant. I think it's a really smart way to go. So now, was there can, a question there, or did you just no, want to do a monologue? No, I, I just think I, this blows me away that she okay. did this. So McKenna, you're in France. You're in the south of France. It sounds lovely. How do we get to you? What do we do? Are we booking a week vacation with you? Like, what what does this all look like? Absolutely. So at La Peach or La Pichune, we have three options. We have a use-as-you-like rental, which we rent in the winter months, where mm-hmm. you can come, just do whatever you want, and cook in the pegboard kitchen. It looks very much like the one in the Smithsonian in D.C. I was going to ask you about you can that. Actually- it. No one's going to bug you if you tried to cook at the one in the Smithsonian. They'd be really mad at I you. I think that's a no. It's a hard no. That's right. Yeah, I think it's a hard no. So we've got one you can come to. And okay. We also do what we call bespoke, mostly all-inclusive vacation weeks in the summers, where myself and my uh, head chef, really, Kendall Lane, who has spent the past five years in Michelin-starred kitchens, she and I cook multiple meals for you. It includes wine pairings and wine, and we're your con- we have concierge service, and that's our summer packages. And then during the shoulder seasons in the fall and in the spring, we do the cooking school. And the oh. cooking school is available from Sunday to Friday and it's 100% you just show up at our door and we take care of you every single step of the way and then on Friday we send you off into the world with a new set of skills. That's amazing. Okay, so please tell us where can we find you and uh, can we find you online and uh, and on Instagram and you you also have a book coming out. Did I read that correctly? I do. I am currently writing my first cookbook. Congratulations. 25% 25% done. It's, mm-hmm. We've been at it for a few months. We've got a few more months to go. But yes, I'm very excited. And well, that's been a lot of fun. So yes, I'm even writing recipes. Look at that. I right. was going to ask you about that. Because... Well, so what's your context for it? How are you giving people like ideas? Or are you giving them real instruction? It's a little bit of both. There are some things in there that we call cooking sketches. They're really like things that are really particular to the ingredient. So if a certain type of ingredient doesn't have as much oomph as it normally would, sometimes the recipe fails. So there's mm-hmm. some of the recipes that you cannot actually recipize. You can recipe them and recipe them in your own kitchen. But if mm-hmm. I were to do that in France to you, the likelihood of them working is like right. not so much. <laughs> so it's a little bit of both. It's like some traditional recipes that have very precise amounts mm-hmm. and some more use what you have. Here's what we're looking for. These are the tastes. These are the textures. What do you prefer? So it's a little bit of both. Great. I have okay, to say, wait. wait, 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 wait. You have got so much chutzpah to do all this. I, you know, my fantasy is buying a house in Italy, and it's been my fantasy for years. Yeah, but he doesn't want to do a, a cooking damn school. thing about it. No, I don't want to do a cooking school. And he I doesn't wanna, want anybody else to come. I want to go there. Well, you can come. <laughs> you can come if you want. He just but, wants a house in Italy. With dogs. Yes. And food. Yes. But anyways, congrats, because this is really cool. Tell everybody how to find you online. Please. Absolutely. You can find us at lapeach.com, which is L-A-P-E-T-C-H.com, or on Instagram at lapeachfr. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for wow. joining us today, McKenna. When your book is out, we hope to recircle back with you, okay? Absolutely. I'd love that. Great. All right. Okay, let's go back to cocktails. Donna, come back to the mic. 
So while you guys did this huge uh, prohibition week last week, yes. uh, what were some of the things that you do? Did you do classes, stuff like that? Like, how did you guys engage? Yeah, so we did a, a lots of different things. So we started to do cocktail kits, which is very similar to this, but ours is a little prettier. Sorry, I ran into mm-hmm. some stuff. But basically, we did a new cocktail every day with cocktail trivia to win one of our crystal uh, shakers as well. Cool. Um, Mm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then we did two cocktail classes on Prohibition cocktails, um, Tuesday and Thursday, sold out within 24 hours. It was really cool. Amazing. So are you doing those virtually as well, or are they just in in place? They are in person at the bar. Mm -hmm. Yes, probably the first time we ever got a group together in a while um, right yes it was it was it was fun i bet it was fun i bet i people are really looking to get back into that so i hear you yeah. um okay so why don't you tell us what our next cocktail is yeah so this is going to be our roaring hemingway okay so this is a spin off of the classic hemingway daiquiri mm-hmm. so i don't know if you know the history of the hemingway daiquiri it is i mean we do but go ahead and tell okay. it <laughs> so the hemingway daiquiri um is really straight alcohol Mm-hmm. Um, with a splash of red grapefruit and a splash of lime juice and no sugar. So we always start off with a classic cocktail and then go into tasting it, how it was originally created, and then tweaking it to make it more moderate. We This one stumped us. We actually had to stop, come back, take the night off, and then really rethink this. So was, what we did, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, was this named for him or was this his favorite drink? It was his it was, drink. It was his drink. Right. He no actually he created it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but oh not God. only that, like the daiquiri got so bastardized. Do you know what I mean? When people hear daiquiri, they think of like sugar, uh, sugar and, and whipped cream yes. and, yeah. I, you know, like the BS stuff. Yep. Like a real daiquiri is a very clean it drink. Is. It a is. A very clean drink. Yes. So with this one, we kind of did a spin on it. We kept everything fresh. Um, so we did a spin kind of on a mojito because we were thinking Caribbean is where the daiquiri came from and mm-hmm. rum runners. We were staying in those in that line. So we basically muddle uh, fresh red grapefruit. We muddle fresh limes. We put in a couple of um, leaves of tarragon. This for looks some like oil. summer. Mm-hmm. This is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Um, we then use it a Haitian like rum. You, by the way. Yeah, it is. <laughs> See, we use a Haitian rum and then we use real sugar. I'm mean, sorry, real agave. Um, we blend it all together. And we splash it with soda water. So it is actually almost 100% alcohol. Okay, great. I mean, it's pretty easy to get schlunkered doing a radio show. I yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk to somebody next, Katarina. Hello. Hi. Hi, Hi Katarina. So, How are you? This is going to wow everybody and, mm-hmm. and maybe even scare some people. So uh, just to reprise this, Katarina Axelson is the founder and CEO of Tastry. They're a California sensory sciences Company. All right, what does that mean? Tastery is an artificial, it's an AI company, an artificial intelligence and data insights company that predicts how consumers will perceive any product that you can taste or smell. But the way they do it is Katarina, I guess, wrote a software program that taught a computer how to taste. So with that as the... Uh, do you want to let Katarina tell yeah, us? Yeah, I mean that... I, Katarina, why don't you come on and tell us yeah, about I, who you are and, how and you what you this. were trying to do. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to tell you uh, the story. Um, I'll, I'll keep it. I'll give you the quick version, but um, well, I can talk about the roots, how this all started. Um, so I worked in the wine industry for five years. I, uh, I went to Cal Poly University in San Luis Obispo. It's in the central coast of California. So Rough location. We're a, mm-hmm. We know. We have friends whose kids go there. <laughs> 
Um, well, come on over. Um, so it's a major, you know, wine region, and mm -hmm. uh, we have about 400 wineries in a well 40 mile radius here. So I paid my way through college by working at various wineries in Edna Valley uh, as a chemist primarily. So at these jobs in the wine industry. I was given a lot of access and freedom to run my own uh, experiments in the, my free time in the lab. And I just got obsessed and I went full on mad scientist mode and started tinkering with my own inventions in my free time. So um, I, I had to come up with some other things. I, I don't want to get into it, but I, I made a contraption that used 35% less sulfur that you would attach to the bottom of a bung of a barrel and you would use less sulfur, but it would make a better wine, things like that. Anyway. Uh, oh, my God. Did you? I'm sorry. I don't want to go down yeah. a, a sidebar there, but like, did you present that to people in the California wine industry? Yeah, um, I believe uh, that winery and, and another one is still using that method. Mm. Um, didn't patent it or anything, but yeah. Very cool. Okay, so go ahead. So then where did the uh, concept for Tastry come from? Yeah, so so Tastry was just one of those mad scientist type experiments at first. Um, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, we say we taught a computer how to taste. And what really inspired it was I realized how many... Um, idiosyncrasies and inefficiencies there were with making multi-million dollar batches of wine and then bringing them to market. So largely, you know, making a wine is, is intuitive, but it's also very costly and a lot of things can go wrong. And um, there really isn't a lot of uh, insight or data to simulate how customers would like that product before you spend all this money making it. Well, um, I think so actually you, you bring up a very yeah. good point. I, I don't think when winemakers are making wine that they're, I mean, especially the better winemakers, not like the massive, you know, I don't want to name any names, but, you know, not the mass produced ones that are all about their mm -hmm. marketing and they're not really caring about the product. But I do think that for these uh, upper echelon of winemakers, when they're making wine, they're not really thinking of consumer taste. They're thinking of, I'm making a great wine. The consumer will, mm -hmm. I'll make it, they will come. Isn't that more or less the concept? I mean, we've had a thousand winemakers in here. So like, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, in a sense, um, that, that has largely been the approach. But we were quite surprised that when we introduced this technology, that it was embraced by a variety of winemakers. And yes, we, we don't really you know, focus on the screaming eagles. I don't really think they need help. Right. But our hope is, is that if we help the mid-tier brands, you know, the larger scale brands make a better product, um, even a more unique product, that it's going to encourage, um, you know, moderate, less experienced consumers to appreciate wine more mm -hmm. um, and to be more willing to explore it and ultimately get to, you know, those higher end wines you can't just start there right what? yeah um, wait it's, we're it's gonna it's take katarina we're gonna take a quick break i know david is dying to ask uh, you some questions uh, uh, so yeah. we're gonna take a break when we come back david will ask your questions we're gonna get into the nitty-gritty of how people use this this is david yeah. and nikki nellis you're getting a real wine ed today we'll be back in just a sec we're back on Foodie and the Beast with david and nikki nellis we're talking to katarina axelson who's the founder and ceo of tastry and yes we want to know about a lot of things i need to know how you taught a computer to taste. Yeah, um, so first I started to develop a, a chemistry method that could look at everything that is in a wine the same way the human palate would. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I read a lot of research papers and there are a lot of companies and researchers in the world who are trying to study how consumers perceive flavor. And it seemed like 
they were trying to solve the wrong problem. Like everyone is trying to figure out, does this compound, you know, does benzaldehyde express the cherry flavor? But the problem is, you know, wine is very complex. There's hundreds of compounds and it's this chemical soup and they're all interacting with each other. And as humans, when we're, you know, drinking a glass of wine, we're experiencing them all at once. So studying one compound doesn't really do anything because they're, they're um, masking or expressing each other. So what you really had to do was look at everything in one snapshot at the same time, the same as you would as if you're actually drinking a glass of wine, right? Mm -hmm. um, one example I like to use, if, if this is helpful, is um, every red wine has benzaldehyde, which is the compound for cherry, but every wine you drink doesn't taste like cherry. And, and why is that? It's because um, it's more of like the absence of compounds or compounds that are masking it or allowing it to be expressed. So that's what we were kind of trying to figure out is what we call it flavor matrix. Can you match to? Can your palate match? Well, to? it sounds like um, you're like d taking the DNA of one. Yeah. Right. And sort of yeah. pulling out these different. I don't know. I don't know anything about DNA. So that's about as far as I go. I but, you know, what is it called? Like the little branches or anybody help? What's it called? Nobody else. Nobody else knows either. But uh, are those do you know what I mean? Genomes. Is that what they are? Genomes. Yeah. Hey, is that what's happening? I think I think uh, that's somebody right. Else said it yeah. But 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 beyond that, I mean, you said the right word matrix like. Just turn to your computer and say, when you learn how to talk and eat people, don't eat me because. <laughs> Wine is better. Yeah, <laughs> wine is better. Just okay, drink the wine so, and leave me alone. Okay, so now that you've created this, now what? Yeah. Like, how are you? How do you? Great idea. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, you yeah. have the technology, but now what? Now, how do you take yeah. this to the next level? Yeah, so so actually the first thing we did before we ever started working with wineries and retailers was uh, we made a wine recommender engine because we just wanted to understand if our method worked. So mm -hmm. we started providing wine recommendations um, in, in grocery retail. Um, then retailers started to work with us. So um, I don't know. I don't know if I have time to get into this, but um, every time you would interact with Tastry, um, we would capture your palette as if it was your own unique fingerprint. Um, and we did this with a deceptively whimsical looking quiz. Okay. Um, we asked you questions, you know, kind of like for tasting notes, like, do you like black coffee or licorice or dark chocolate? The difference between us and other recommenders like that is that the chemistry is backing it up on the back end. And we can actually see how you answer those questions and how you would perceive a certain flavor matrix. So um, who are you working with more? Are you working more with the consumer? Or are you working more with the winemaker? Or is it is it both? Yeah, it's it's totally it's totally both. We're we're vertically integrated now. So retailers embrace this recommender. We got a lot of consumer palette data. We provided a lot of great recommendations. Uh, but all of that data, we started to treat it as one big giant virtual focus group. Mm. So so what started to happen is, is we evolved into a software company um, and wineries would pay us to access this software and they could see how their wine looks to the overall market. Um, and they could, um, the, like after we've analyzed it, they could see from a consumer perspective in aggregate um, what would happen before they even made the wine just by looking at the the bulk juice that they had but, available. I mean, that's amazing. But let me ask you, I mean, how do we deal with things like 
fires, climate change. I mean, all the things that I mean, I'm thinking specifically California, but obviously in, in Europe or Australia or anywhere, there's so many things that are impacting grapes in different ways than they were, you know, even 10 years ago. How does do you are you able to help them with this? Um, well, we we certainly tried to do our part the best we could. So I would say the most impactful thing we've done to date was in 2020 when the wildfires hit California pretty mm-hmm. hard, and wineries were afraid of losing their you know their deals, their crop with what we call smoke taint. Yeah, and um, and we have a state of the art TTB certified lab. So providing that test um, was pretty simple for us and. Everyone was in shortage of it. I mean, for the biggest lab in California to test for smoke taint, there was like a 42-day backlog, and people were trying to send their wine to Europe for analysis. So wow. we we spun up that method, and we you know we set aside some of our other initiatives, and we just started testing smoke taint for wineries. And um, pretty quickly, um, the insurance companies started accepting us as a third-party. Um, analysis uh, service. So I, I I don't know how many millions of gallons of wine we saved, but um, I, you know, to this day, I hear that people really appreciated that we were able to have such a quick turnaround time um, and to help Amazing. them save their wine. So now yeah. how can people, because we have to wrap up with you. I mean, we could spend hours with you. Um, how can people uh, find out more about Tastry, take a quiz, learn more about their wine taste How and and people in the wine business, how can they get in touch with you as well? Yeah. Um, so we our website's pretty simple. It's tastry.com. It's like pastry, but with a T. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I usually get routed emails from hello at tastry.com. Great. Are you on Instagram by chance? Um, Somewhat. I, I can. Um, it's OK. It's just my Don't worry about it. All right. uh, OK. I just want to know how many of your professors at Cal Poly got so intimidated by you that they went and became, I don't know, something else. Grocers, <laughs> garbage men, something. Not that there's anything wrong. Not with that. that they're they're all great. Anyway, thank you so much, Katarina. Thank wow. you for joining us today. Um, say really hello to your computer for us. Yes, say hello. Yeah. Um, okay, we're going back to Velvet and Rye, Colleen. Awesome. Thanks oh. for joining us. So, Colleen, now that uh, your Prohibition Week is over, and uh, you have this activation up and running. Are you guys already looking to the spring? Do you already have some mad scientist things that you're thinking There's of doing? There's always a mad scientist okay. moment <laughs> happening. Yes. We like to call that creativity, but mm-hmm. it has, comes in I a lot of different names. I think call it alcohol. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, today we are. That's right. for sure. We are um, always thinking in the next six months. Mm. So we do have... In service of the Prohibition cocktails, you can get them at Lena's to go. They Great. come in a kit with a pre, uh, pre-measured out cocktail, the garnish, recipe cards. The recipe cards, when you turn them over, have a video link. So we actually had each of the cocktails created by our bartenders. Super fun. They do so all impressive. the heavy lifting. So mm-hmm. it's really fun. So people at home can go to these videos has the ingredients, has the how-to, and then if you want to do it in the comfort of your own living room, that's all. So now, what did you give me here? So the Boulevardier yes. is a drink that we did not make you today for two reasons. One, we prefer it smoked. Okay. And in a closed room, I'm not sure that was a great idea on a that's Saturday morning. I think Andy we, would have said no right. to that. And it is, <laughs> a, Andy it is a super showered. potent <laughs> drink made okay. out of redemption rye. So we thought we wouldn't do that before So do noon. you have the rye, vermouth, and Campari in here? It is. So it's all batched. It is batched. And all I have to do is shake it? 
You don't even shake this. This okay. is so beautiful. You just pour it over a big block of ice. And then we, chug it, right? We have a logoed ice cube at Lena's that you can't see until you actually pour the cocktail over. So there's a little bit of magic, which Cute. we always love. Great. You know um, what we haven't talked right. about? Where Lena's is. Where so is Lena? We are located in the Del Rey neighborhood mm-hmm. of Alexandria, 401 East Braddock Road. And you can come experience the original tap room in that bar. Uh, the Oasis, which is an outside inside space in a huge tent over behind our building on our property. I assume that was erected. That was another COVID piece of magic. Do we have two more minutes or we, uh, yeah. we haven't talked about your pizzas. The pizzas are incredible. I know we've got lots of pizza competition you in this got, room I was going to say, we got some pizza competition. Price is ready to duke it out. These right? are uh Hand-stretched, handmade, in-house, cooked in our Maraforni 900-degree wood-fired oven. That's the name. Um, Everything is very rustic and authentic. So are they more Neapolitan style? They are more Neapolitan Mm -hmm. style. They come in two sizes, and we also— Accidenti. Yeah. A a 10-inch and a 14-inch, and we've got about a dozen different pizzas that you can get in any of the experiences. Velvet and Rye is the only experience where we do create a special menu where you can only get that wine list and that cocktail list and those menu items upstairs. So, like, what's the menu items right now upstairs at Velvet and Rye? Upstairs, we have a great— Spicy honey pork belly appetizer. Mm, We've got a half-roasted lemon uh, wood-fired chicken. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's full dinner. It's It's not just a bar. It's a meal. Full full service, full dinner, more food and cocktail than you ever imagined. (laughs) Okay, great. I am never going to lose weight. No. It's never going to happen. No, it's not. that's not the goal. Not Fun food is the goal. I mean, or you can just have a good relationship with food no, and no. wine and booze, and then you wouldn't have to worry like about it. Offline right? conversation. Right. Thank hey, you hey, so hey. much you for You can have a good us. relationship or you <laughs> yeah. cannot. Those are the choices. change my name to Albert. No, right. Those are the choices it. in your life. Anyway, tell everybody, please, where they can find you online and on Instagram. Lena'swoodfire.com. We have online ordering. We have in, in-store in dining, and we also have pickup curbside to go. Excellent. Okay, Thank great. you. Thank you. Thanks so much for all the great cocktails. The glassware is fabulous. Thank you. Uh, and for joining us today. Um, can I do my wrap-up, or do you have something to say? No, I'm blown away. <laughs> okay, great. You know, I'm so intimidated by all the smart okay. people. Uh, you just so, asked me if I had something to say. I and you it. said no. I said no. Right. Okay. So uh, we want to thank everybody, obviously, who came in studio today uh, and also who joined us from near and far California and France uh, to talk about what they're doing, what's happening. Even with this pandemic that is affecting everybody around the world, there is still so much good happening. And I hope everybody can see that silver lining and enjoy it. If you are in the D.C. area, please remember you need to wear a mask at most locations. If you're asked, just do it. Uh, In restaurants and retail in D.C. and gyms, you are required to be vaccinated. You should get boosted. Uh, Again, the people who are asking are doing what they're told. Just be kind. Please take your patient pills and your kindness pills. Everybody's doing the best they can, given what's going on out there. So uh, we thank you, as always, for joining us today. So much deliciousness is happening out there. Go out there and get it and have a delicious week.